Hey everybody, welcome to the Bold Sidebar Podcast, a podcast for lawyers, judges, and professionals serving clients. I am your host, Attorney Jeff Horn. My task is to interview the best of us to discover the tips, tricks, and techniques you need to serve your client and keep your sanity. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Bold Sidebar. This is your host, Jeff Horn. I'm thrilled today to try for the first time a two against one interview. I have two of my friends here, adversaries at times. Um, We have a lot of fun. If we get caught on a a desert island, we'll just be cursing and laughing at each other (laughs) for for hours on end. And uh, I think you can really enjoy this. It's going to be rapid fire. There will be laughing. There will be sarcasm. And uh, just keep your ear tuned because I have from the relatively recently formed law firm of Hunnell and Breitowich, Stephanie Hunnell and Sylvia Breitowich, both of whom I've known for a bunch of years when they first got started. They have created a kick-ass law firm and uh, I'm thrilled to have them here and I'm just going to get right into it and throw it to Sylvia to say, all right, Sylvia, how'd you get here? Well, hi, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Um, how did I get here? Um, well, I actually grew up in Tom's River. I grew up, I was telling Stephanie on our way down here. Um, I went to high school right down the street. So I'm a graduate of high school North. Um, I was a Rutgers graduate and a Rutgers Law School graduate down in Camden, good old Camden, New Jersey. Um, I started, I never clerked, actually. I started working right for our friend Dave Schlendorf down the street. Our first podcast guest yes. for anyone who wants to go back and listen. Listen to number one, Dave Schlendorf, where Sylvia got some props. <laughs> I did. He did give me some. Um, and from there, I just kind of, th- I've been through a couple other firms and then ended up with Stephanie and we're here today with you. Well, and when I saw you working for firms, I knew you had it to do your more or less own thing and then you wound up with this character over yeah. here. So let's, let's <laughs> Couldn't shake over. her. How, how'd that happen and how'd you get here? Um, so I'm actually from California originally, um, born and raised there. Moved here to go to law school, Rutgers Camden. Um, all intentions of going back to California where the weather is consistently 70 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> um, but stayed, uh, had a clerkship with Judge Millard. Um, which I think was also somebody that you yes. interviewed. One of our prior and one of one of the very interesting interviews. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's how I got to New Jersey, and that's how I got here. I've been uh, have my own business uh, law firm since two thousand and seven, and Sylvia and I formed in uh, April a, of twenty seventeen. Yeah, it was a year in April. Yeah, oh, so it's only one year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm yeah. right about the fairly recent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. So talk to me about that, because you worked in another practice. You worked for Dave Millard, Judge Millard. You know, anyone who's listened to that edition, you'll hear me sucking up to him, and it's totally justified. He's <laughs> brilliant. He is. And just one of, the, one of the coolest thinkers. And I don't mean like cool, like happy days, hey, cool. <laughs> I mean just a calm thinker. 
about stuff coming at you 100 miles an hour in the family law, in civil and criminal, and just well-rounded thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Did you get a lot out of that clerkship? I was really lucky. So I actually clerked with him in uh, Mount Laurel originally mm-hmm. before he moved back to Ocean. And they had the option of me not coming they said I could stay there if I wanted to stay there because it would have been a big commute. I was living in Cherry Hill at the time. Mm. And I was like, absolutely not. I wanted, I'm going to come with you. And so I did. Um, and when we came into Ocean County, he, we didn't do tentative decisions back then. Right. So we were the first ones to bring tentative decisions to Ocean County. And we had to prove a point. And I remember we had on our calendar one of the first motion days was like 65 or more wow. motions. Oy. And everybody was telling him he couldn't do it. So him and I kind of just like stuck our heads down, got them all done. I used to bring a carry-on, uh, like, you know, the travel luggage yes, to fill with motions <laughs> <laughs> to bring home. Oh and my. we finished it. And that first motion day, we were done by noon. Right. Because people accepted the tentatives. Once you have a decision yes. out there, it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why everybody doesn't do it because it makes everyone's life easier. When we talk to our clients, makes it easier. But um, yeah, so that's what, noon, we went walking around, kind of like showing ourselves that we were done for the day. <laughs> oh, I am such a fan. And I went right to him and told him, because I, I actually had known him, and not to make this all about Dave Ballard, I knew him when he was the prosecutor, and I'm a young mm-hmm. attorney, and I'm deathly like afraid of every case I have, <laughs> and I do a criminal case, one of my very few, and he handled the case himself, the prosecutor. So mm-hmm. I was I was just frozen and paralyzed with fear, but we got it resolved, and and so you know this tentative decision, you know, you, as the non-law clerk. Talk about the tentative decisions. I think this is so interesting. I loved what, it. What, what Always. What is it? What is it for those that are going, this sounds like pretty weird that judges make tentative decisions. We want judges to decide some stuff. So I, as a practicing attorney, absolutely love tentative decisions because I think what it does is it gives you a basis to at least go to your client and say, listen, this is kind of where we are. So it opens up negotiations if you have to start them again. And there's always we always have those clients who sometimes have unreasonable expectations about what their positions were and what they want from the judges and you kind of give them and I it's the first time you can say I sort of know how this is going to happen and you have a little bit of a guarantee behind that and if you tell them you want to go in and you want to argue it you're running a risk of you have to have a judge now tell you he thinks he was wrong the first time so that's a big burden to get Not over easy. but it's also a time saver for the client because you're saving if they know what they're looking at ahead of time from the judge's mouth as opposed to yours, you don't have to spend that money traveling to court, being in the courtroom, and running the risk of things getting worse. Right. And, ju- and just broadly speaking, we, we have this motion practice. It's, it's on Fridays here. And uh, you fill, send your papers in. The judge sends you, let's call it another word, a preliminary decision. Here's where I'm headed. Yeah. These are my initial thoughts you on this. You ask for 10 things. I'm giving you 10 tentative Rulings, at least if I have to go argue, I'm arguing over only one or two right. of the things where I'm quarreling with the judge. And uh, the others are now streamlined. Like you said, you're mm-hmm. done at noon as opposed to 6 o'clock right. at night yeah. on Plus a Plus you also have an idea of where the judge is coming from. So if there's something that you need to address and like one of the points, like maybe one of the 10 you need to address because the judge has missed a fact or um, misinterpreted what might have been in the papers, you can go to the judge and say, I think... I'm arguing this point because 
here you said this when in fact it's this here's my exhibit and you can be more persuasive that way Um, and you and you save time you know if you have to whatever research you have to do you know in advance um, and you can go you don't have to prepare for 10 points yeah you can just prepare the one yeah I love the prep issue Mm -hmm. because I'm really going to do a great job arguing those one or two points Mm -hmm. right when I have to argue 10 when I get up at 5 in the morning before court to start stressing out about this right I'm like do you think the judge really wants to hear about this one and that exactly. one? Exactly. takes it all away. Mm-hmm. With the tentative, you know what the judge's thought process mm-hmm. is and where you need to focus your attention. I think it's helpful. It's also helpful just to educate the clients too right. because the, the usually – most tentatives now have law in them. It's not just the decision, it's the law and the basis for it. Mm-hmm. So you can talk to the most. clients and, and most <laughs> you can talk to the client and say, you know, this is where the judge is coming from. I'm educating you. Here's where we thought you would you want to go and here's why you're not getting there. Right, right. I love when they put at least a little bit of rationale in there. So if the rationale is wrong, right, then I'm really going to prepare on the law mm-hmm. about, well, you missed this case. That's really defining of this issue. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's um, let's just jump somewhere a little bit out of order. Why did you guys decide to, to form a firm? In other words, you're already out on your own, uh, Stephanie and Sylvia. You, you know, I feel like you were like the uh, the green uh, growing. The roots were deep. And you're yeah. ready to burst out to either go on your own or maybe break away. You've been with some of the bigger firms, right? Um- so it's actually funny how we met. My One of the older firms that I was at, a bigger firm, um, hundreds, maybe 100 plus attorneys at this point, um, my paralegal happened to be Stephanie's old paralegal. So we actually met at the state bar conference at a bar. We were introduced by this paralegal. <laughs> no idea what you mean. <laughs> we were introduced. We I think we were at B-Bar. I think so. And we were introduced by this paralegal and... A couple, we hit it off. We talked a couple weeks later. Um, Stephanie asked me to have lunch and told me this was like six years ago now. I think so, five or six years ago. Um, she was like, Oh, I'm really excited. Like, I think I'm going to bring on a law partner. I'm like, That's great. Congratulations. And she's like, I want it to be you. And I nearly spit out my food and was like, You're out of your mind. And I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> and questioned her sanity, quite frankly. Um, so you're a slow learner, is what you're saying. <laughs> But we stayed friends, and every time we hung out and every time we talked, she was like, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. And then one day it just flipped, and you didn't think I was serious when I was like, I'm ready. Because <laughs> it's all about personality. I mean, yeah. we get along really well. Um, I would say we're more like family. Um, Absolutely. You know, we have disputes, whatever. But, um, yeah, at the core, like, we have – we get along great. And I think the personality is what makes the partnership so great. Um, you know, all the law stuff and education and all of that aside, which is amazing. She's, she's an amazing attorney, but personality wise, um, you know, I think that was like the most important thing and what I was looking for. Yes. No, I know Sylvia to be very thoughtful, thorough and to, um, take the client's, um, feelings about the case very seriously, just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Wish they could record your face right now. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, this is not this is your interview, not mine. But you know, I really take serving the client's needs very well. Absolutely. But I don't take the client's opinions of what we do, results we get, seriously at all. Oh, see, if you heard me in the office, I don't. 
take their opinion <laughs> seriously at all. It's, it's an evolution, right? It's yeah, like, you have to a little bit. You know, but. It's like the doctor that cures your cancer and you're, you know, you're complaining justifiably about the side effects. Listen, you're alive. You right. know you have right. some side effects. Yes, we will work on those. But our job is to get the top shelf stuff done. Right. Get your kids healthy and safe right. and away from some abusive person. We right. may not get you, you know, the cell phone contract that you had before. Right. And it's hard for the clients to unjumble mm-hmm. all that, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. But that's our job, too. We have right. to, um, it, 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 you know, some attorneys will take the client's opinion thoughts, feelings, and bring that into the case. And the reason you have an attorney, in my opinion, also is to help you guide you through this and, and take it, that out, but take that out, take yeah. the emotion mm-hmm. out of it. Um, you know, divorce is hard enough and that's what we primarily do. It's, it's traumatic whether or not you want the divorce or don't want the divorce, you're ending your marriage. And to bring all of those emotions in, it Twice doesn't as do much it. right because it's from the attorney and the client. Absolutely. I think it does everybody a disservice. Absolutely, and it just generates more fees and it makes the acrimony terrible. It, it's just not good. Um, so that's our job is to say, all right, we get where you're coming from. Here's where we think we can get you, and let us handle it. A lot mm-hmm. of good stuff in there. One of the questions I like to ask is, what makes the worst adversary? And I think we just touch the surface of that because there are some tough adversaries to deal with even whether they're effective or not is a different issue but talk to me about the difficult adversary when you have a case and all of a sudden lawyer x shows up who wants it don't be shy i've heard this before (laughs) off the record so for me i think there's two big things one is the emotion that we were talking about Um, I think it's our job to take the emotion out of this for a client and let them know that you understand where they're coming from and why they're coming from there. But when you project that emotion into the case on their behalf, obviously, depending on the circumstances, if we're talking about a child who's been abused and it's a DIFAS case, we're talking about something different. But if we're arguing over distribution of bank accounts, it's not something that needs to be argued so aggressively in terms of your personality. Obviously, every attorney should litigate for their client. They should be litigious when it's necessary, and they should advocate for them all the important things. But I think we all come across those adversaries that can't see that they're making the case more difficult. Or just don't care. Or just don't care. And that that's kind of my second point is obviously some lawyers have a bad reputation and we get a bad we get a bad rep out there, but there are some attorneys who you know when you have a high asset case, you're going to get to a resolution much further down the line than you should. Um, and that's the, like the file turner. I That's my biggest problem as an attorney is having an adversary who just wants to go down certain roads because they know that they can make money off of that file. And I, I can't do that. There's unfortunately some attorneys that if we if they come in, if a client comes in for a consult and we know that attorney is on the other side, we have to charge a larger retainer. And we and tell them that. Yeah, and we tell them be- because of this person, mm-hmm. we know what we're going to be up against. And this is going to cost you more specifically because of who your spouse hired. If there's one word that, that's been used in response to that question, it's the churn. Mm-hmm. The churners. Yeah, it's terrible. You know, a, a tough adversary, a person who maybe even be a screamer or write a lot of letters or whatever. I don't care about that. Yeah. I don't care about their personality. I can deal with all personalities, mm-hmm. right? To survive mm-hmm. in this job, right. you either 
can deal with people, right? Or you become a, a um, I don't know, a tenth grade gym teacher or something. <laughs> You're just not going to be able to handle it, right, right? Or you go off the deep end. Mm-hmm. Those are the three options essentially. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Why don't we talk about a day in the life? Now you guys are 15 months into um, joint practice. Now I'd love to hear each of you guys just quickly. You know, what's what's your typical day in the life? What time do you get up? What time do you get moving? What do you do? Do you have rituals in the morning? How long does it take to get your hair did? You know, it's a little um, different for each of us. Well, and that's why I died both here at the same time. I know you'd laugh at each other also, and you'll laugh at this because yesterday uh, Sylvia says, uh, you know, what's, you know, kind of like, what's the attire? Like, are you, are you videoing this, you know, or should we just come like bums? And I said bums. Well, I think we have a very casual office environment. Um, and I think we do that on purpose because, again, what we do is not – we do primarily divorce um, and family law. And it's not it's not always the fun stuff to talk about. So I think because of the casual environment that we have in our office, it makes clients a little bit more comfortable to talk about certain things with us. Um, we have – you haven't been to our office yet, I don't think, but we I have don't. an open floor plan. Like we all work in the same room together. So we constantly bounce ideas off of each other. We talk about things. So everyone sort of is involved in everybody's – cases for the most part um it's fun i don't know how to to say the law is fun and the practice of law is fun necessarily but we have fun um i tend to get there a little bit later (laughs) but i also i'm kind of a night owl so like i'll work later into the night um steph gets up early and she sends me text messages and emails way too early usually for my (laughs) liking (laughs) well from Um, your times with the bigger firms you are definitely lighter in your personality i think i think it's serving you very well thank you yeah thank you yeah it's a good fit i don't think we realized how good of a fit it would be um apparently everybody else did though because when we announced we ran into so many people who were like your personalities are going to be so great and we didn't even realize but it's it's fun going to work and like steph Mm -hmm. said we are family she knows my entire family. I've met her entire. I've been out to California with her and met her entire family. Um, we do everything together. Mm-hmm. And during the like during the workday, I mean, because it's an open open office, sometimes inappropriately so. We like just joke constantly. Yeah. Um, so it's fun. Yeah, the office is fun going to work. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, I always viewed myself as going into some sort of law practice and having to really conform to some norms. Mm-hmm. I, I went and had like a sort of quasi-interview. It was more of a courtesy interview with Shanley and Fisher, which, which was a big firm that got absorbed by another big firm. And everyone had a tie on and everyone looked sharp and their hair yeah. was cut and they got nice shoes and they got the staff was dressed beautifully and I'm going... You know, I got my new suit. You know, I got my one suit at the time, you know, and you're a new puppy. And I, and I go in there and I go, all right, I've trained to do this. I must suck up and try to figure out how to get a job. And I didn't get a job. And, and I just said, you know, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. For me, it was never going to work. Right. And I never worked for anybody. I just started my own practice right out of the gate, which, you know, has its own pitfalls. But you set the tone. Right. Right. And you set the tone for your clients. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that takes some time, too. So when you're a new attorney, you have an expectation, at least I did, in my opinion, um, an expectation of what you think an attorney should look like, dress like, sound like. And um, I'm definitely, 
I'm definitely not that. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing shorts right now, and this is what I would wear a typical day in the summer in the office. I probably would have a tank top that I'd just put like a nicer shirt on for you. <laughs> <laughs> and flip flops. Um, in our office, we have uh, it, we have our office behind a hotel, so there's a pool also that we see from our window. So on occasion, I would wear my bathing suit, you know, with the cover up, obviously, and then I could, you know, jump in the pool or something. <laughs> I actually right. did that on. Monday. Um, yeah, Tuesday? one day this week. <laughs> one day this week, I was like, okay, I'm done. It's four o'clock. I'm getting in the pool. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think when you're a young attorney, you have this mindset of what it has to be in that. You have to be stiff and you have to be stuffy and you can't joke about this stuff because the law is so serious. And I don't, I think that as you get into the practice, you realize you have to, if you don't laugh about it, you're going to cry about it. So you can't take everything yeah. seriously all the time. Not that you're not taking your clients' issues seriously, but you can't bring every single case home with you every day. You know, and I think that that's why, I mean, Stephanie's a brilliant attorney. I don't think the fact that she comes to work in shorts has any reflection on that. And if a client has an issue with that, it's obviously not a client that we're going to work well with or they're going to work well with us. And I think that you have to have a certain understanding of there are going to be clients that expect to walk in and see you in a suit and a tie and that's what they want and that's what they're looking for. And you're never going to satisfy their expectations if you're having issues like that right off the bat. So we don't really worry about that too much. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer of, you know, what you put out in the universe, you draw into you. Right. Right. Um, and I want our clients to know that we care. That's what I want. Right. Above all else. Um, I don't think they should care if they come into the office and I'm in shorts because they know that they can come into the office and tell me all of their problems and I'm going to listen, I'm going to respond and I'm actually going to ha- have empathy and care for, you know about their issues and their problems. Um that above all else to me is like the most important thing. I want to know that my clients, you know, that's what I'm there for, a part of it. Right. It's a part of therapy. It's it's part therapy what we do. There is, <laughs> right. There is when when you get to uh, anyone who's listened to any of the past uh editions we had Stacy Kerr who serves as a municipal court judge. She's a practicing attorney. She's also the one who decides whether you get locked up involuntarily right. for this area. So it's really a mixture of the, of the mental health everything. and the law. you know. But we all do that. And Judge Millard, I was teasing with him because he has one daughter who's an attorney mm-hmm. and the other daughter is a social worker. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, this, this makes a lot of sense. It's true. It makes a lot of darn sense. All right, we're talking about clients. I want you to tell me, uh, I'll start with Stephanie, when you went on your own, how did you get your first new client? Oh, gosh. I don't remember how I got my first new client. Um, oh, actually, it's not... When I was working with Tim, um, Tim McGoffrin, it, that was my first job. And I had a couple of clients, maybe like, I think I had six files when I decided to go out on my own. And only three or four of them were really like active files. So I took one of the clients was came with me. Um, and I think she just came from a referral. Um, so that's how I get clients. I think everything is, almost everything is word of mouth. I've done advertising over the years, n- not really successfully. Um, I find that if you do a good job, People refer you, and also now social media. You, you just pick things up with social media, um, websites, and all of that. But that's that's about it. So, Sophia, were you worried about that when you left firms? That some of your firms fed you the work more right. or less. So, 
I was worried about that. Um, I think that was something when we initially had spoken six years ago, that was my biggest thing is that I, you know, when you go out on your own, you don't work, you don't get paid. And I wasn't comfortable with that. That made me very nervous. And the one thing I will say that I learned from that firm was how you run a law practice and how you deal with clients and things like that. And when I left that firm, I had um, a number of clients that went with me and the firm that I was at after I was essentially doing my own thing. So I wasn't so nervous about bringing files over, but I was nervous about when those files end, what happens next. Um, But I, it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. I kept telling her, I'm like, they come. Don't worry, they come. For for the new attorneys, everyone tells you, don't worry, it'll just come. And you're like, you're crazy. Like that doesn't, that's not how this works, but it's true. It does. It's it's a fair point. I want to just dovetail. One of the reasons I'm also doing this is for my own therapy in terms of as you get older, uh, I see some of the older attorneys that never marketed ever, never networked, but still did an excellent job, had referral sources, but I want to say the referral sources have aged out right. of needing to refer or talk to lawyers, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's an ongoing process. You, mm-hmm. you can't give up right. on nurturing your referral sources. Let's talk about that. What's a good referral? If someone's going to send you a good case... You know, what does that look like to you? Uh, that's tough. Um, I think there's a couple different perspectives on that for me. There's the financially good case. That's the referral that I enjoy. You need a few of those. Um, you know, everybody needs that. But I, um, I have been getting, so I must be putting something out in the universe. I've been getting a lot of cases where there's horrific allegations being made from one parent to another and parents being stripped of their rights without really the due process that we should have before their time is taken away. Those are the cases I actually really enjoy. Um, I feel like you sometimes you don't get... (laughs) No, no. You know, sometimes this job isn't that rewarding. There's, it's not, not everyone who gets divorced is like, thank you so much for doing this to me, you know? Someone but has thanked you before? Yeah, I, I've gotten thank yous, I have. But um, sometimes it's nice to have the ones that you feel like you, you got some justice at the end for somebody or for a child. That's my biggest thing is I, I love helping the kids. That's that's my thought. Those are the ones that she's always like, you need to calm down. You're getting a little upset. And I'm like, but you don't understand. But those are my biggest yeah, I mean, um, for me, you know, you obviously we want some great cases that come in that are financially um, rewarding. I actually have one right now that pays very well. Unfortunately, it's taking too long because mm-hmm. the other side is being um, somewhat unreasonable and difficult. The, the wife is being very difficult um, and is on her third attorney. Oh. So we now... I'm getting paid. It's great, but I feel terrible. So that's not a case I want. I want to right. be able to resolve somebody's matter in a reasonable amount of time. Because by the way, even if I do a great job with this guy, he's probably going to be unhappy because his divorce is taking a year and a half to two years, which is ridiculous. Right. And there's not much that I can do um, to move it along when they're entitled to certain things, you know? Right. Um, but I have to say, one of my first cases that I was thrown on when I was a brand new attorney um, was a very difficult woman. She was unreasonable. She would call uh, with ridiculous requests and be unhappy with everything. And she was miserable going through this divorce. Long-term, like 30-year marriage, older woman. 
And so that case kind of got thrown at me. I had no choice. So I had her. And I listened to her. I was trying to get her calm. We got her through her divorce. And when I was out on my own, probably like three years later, she came in. She said, I just wanted to stop in and thank you and tell you that I was a crazy person during that time period. And you always treated me with such respect and kindness. And I was, that to me was the right. most rewarding. Right. Well, you get the tissue. <laughs> Other than that, you, know, you guys, there's so much there. Those two perspectives are, are so excellent. I love that so much. And, and really, the message to the whole world, to lawyers, to the clients is we, we're not here just to soak you no. for every dollar when you walk in the door. We, we're more competitive than that, right? We want a good result. You want to get that kid safe mm-hmm. and get that parent back in the game just because someone made a false accusation. Now you have to dig out. Or maybe a kid is being harmed. And you try. We try to keep the clients from themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. what you're trying to do mm-hmm. for that lady. Absolutely, keep her out of her own way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did it, and then she snapped out of it three years later. Right. I completely believe in the three-year rule. Okay, I'm working on that all the time. Like, guys, I don't do anything for you now. You're gonna hate this, hate us, mm-hmm. and think this all sucks. And I wouldn't even tell you for a year. Okay, it's gonna be better. Yeah. But, but. Five years is too long. Mm. So I, the three-year thing, I like that. Yeah, three years, I like that. Uh-huh. In three years, your head is going to be back on straight in all likelihood. And probably your finances are recovered and your kids are probably doing okay. I mean, that's how I yeah. look at it. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm crazy. Let's talk about client intake. <clears throat> Excuse me. You went on your own. You had a few files. How did you physically do the client intake? In other words, someone calls... Will you talk to them on the phone, free consult, do you charge? How do you take them in? Um, so I found over the years that I always charge for an in-person consult. I'll do a free consult on the phone, 15, 15 minutes to half an hour, depending on the case, kind of get some information, um, give them a little bit of information. It's a, it's a valuable consult. It's not just, you know, tell me your problems. Right. Um, and, but if they come in, I want to charge and we only charge $150. Um, but it's really a guide to see if they're really serious about retaining an attorney. Um, our time is valuable. And if we're having a consult with somebody that is just kind of kicking the tires, um, or doesn't see the value in our time, I don't necessarily want those people as a client. Um, and there's often times that I'll do the consult and I tell them it's $150, but I waive the consult fee or something, mm-hmm. like depending on the circumstances of the case. Um, I'm better now with Sylvia. Sylvia has gotten me uh, much better with billing and collections and all of that because on my own, I tend to give away a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, It's my tendency. Um I hear sob story or something and you know um but several years ago with client intake i decided i i learned i can never not charge for consults like up front at least right. letting them know that they're going to be charged and i have to, to get the full retainer um because they don't appreciate it right it, it just really is the nature of it i tend the ones that i've had um uh, like payment plans or something they tend to fall off and not right. respect your time and I think it's because they think, oh, well, she doesn't, she, she doesn't even value her, her own time. So interesting, mm-hmm. really. So you came from all sorts of different intake right. processes. 
what did you learn from the other places you were and, and implementing it? Do you implement it the same way as Stephanie? Um, yeah, I do. I do now. Um, I had come from firms, one that never charged for consults and it was one of the most frustrating experiences. We, um, the, the firm did a ton of advertising. I mean, each attorney was doing like 20 consults a week. It was, it was insane. But when people aren't paying, they have no problem showing up late. They have no problem not showing up at all. And I'll just reschedule and they reschedule countless times because there's no value to your time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I tend to, I'm a little bit of a sucker with consultations. After I meet with people, I tend to be like, eh, don't worry about it. Um, but we do tell people that we charge for consultations. I, I think, I think it just sets this, the tone of your relationship and then you can decide what you want to do after that. But I think if you let them know from the beginning, like this, this isn't, we can't do pro bono work all the time. It'd be nice if we all could, but you know, I'm, I'm not fortunate enough to be able to live my life that way. And you know, um, what I love to do, this is a new lawyer model. First give every lawyer 20 million bucks when they come out of law school. No loans. Now what a generous group we are, right? That's fantastic. I think I think it's important though that the client knows that your time is is worth something. You know, I used to do the free consults. Now this is going back more than fifteen years ago, and one day I had six consults. Right, so I said some court in the morning, and I came back, and I was all excited. Wow, six new people! This is going to mm-hmm. be great. Every one of them was a nightmare. No one retained me. At right. the end of the day, I'm sure I said it in a very unpleasant tone. No more free consults ever. <laughs> Not even for your grandmother. No one right. will enter this door again unless they pay money. Now, I haven't used that strictly, right. but I think there's a lot of value to it. It's interesting because, uh, uh, you know, I know a lot of the PI lawyers, and of course they're doing all free consults. But they have to have an intake process because they're not going to be collecting anything unless right. there's a recovery. We only get paid out of the people's pockets right. <laughs> or their mother, father, uncle. Right. Right. It's a team approach to figure out here's the scope of work and here's a budget and then go find that money. Right. right. It's, mm-hmm. Really, it's interesting when you bill by the hour and you only represent individuals mm-hmm. coming up with that money is always a challenge. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, yeah, we are at great risk to sort of give it away. Or wind up with a lot of bankruptcies. Mm-hmm. When we had the old firm, we had hundreds of thousands of dollars in bankruptcies mm-hmm. because we didn't control it close enough. Right. Okay. We spoke about maybe the not the best lawyer. How about the best lawyer? We spoke about the churner and some of these difficult folks. What's the best adversary when you say, man, I have this case. The case might be difficult. The people might be difficult, but it's not going to be the adversary. Talk about those characteristics. Do you want to take this one first? Sure. Um, I would say that, you know, just reasonableness, um, mm-hmm. ability to have a conversation with the person. I find that somebody that I know well, they we trust each other. Um, it's funny. I had a case. Um, I guess it's not always the best thing, but I had a case with a very good friend of mine. So we both trusted each other. We both respected each other. And we sat down with like the financials. We went over the entire case and we said, look, here's the, here's the realm of fairness where we know we, we should end up. And we pretty much were like telling our clients, this is where we're going to settle your case. And we could have settled the case in six months. Um, you know, and the client actually my, on my end was unhappy because he thought we were like colluding with each other. But, he didn't realize that we were saving them a ton of money 
Because we all know when a case comes in the door what the realm of fairness is. We know when we're looking at a pension um, and 401ks, 50% of the marital coverture portion, this is where you're going to end up. And for another attorney to say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to get you to keep your pension or something unrealistic, um, you know, it's unfair to the client. So I think when you have an adversary that's reasonable, understands you, um, and is respectful, those are the best. I agree. Anything to add? I think the only the only thing I would add is, I mean, you kind of said it already. When you have that adversary who you don't have to do the song and dance to perform for your client and you both can just sit at the table and say, listen, I know what you have. You know what I have. This is where we should be. Let's do it now instead of a year down the line. I think that's really better for everybody. So you're saying you really don't get mad at me when you send me three letters and I ignore them? <laughs> I'm not getting into this with you again. That case is long over. Well, we'll talk about, well let's talk about staff. Because that's where staff comes in. Right. Because even if you get mad at me, you can't get mad at Marianne. No, and I would never. Right, I right. I never. So I so rely upon my small staff here. And you talk about family. I mean, it's, it, it has that feel here. Yeah. And literally, Karen, who works here, her daughter, Caitlin, is working here. She's working a summer job. That's great. Where you're sitting, my son has slept when he's had a migraine. He'll just crash out on the floor in this room. <laughs> You know, and and everyone has had their children either work here or hang out here or just, you know, their sick day from school to sleeping underneath the conference table. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. So I'll just give a shout out here. Maggie Moriarty as an attorney in the office. We call her the team leader. We have Mary and Taff. We have Karen Yurick. And then all all of the all of our kids are also part of the team. You know? <laughs> so talk about staff. You go on your own. Now I'm back to Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Go on your own. Did you have a staff member so, right away? No. Um, we found an off. My husband found an office building, and we decided that this is what we wanted to do. So we kind of jumped on it. Um, probably sooner than I would have liked, but we just jumped on it. And so he was my staff. Um, mm-hmm. It was a joint effort. I literally, when we opened the doors, I had um, the cardboard box for the computer that was my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was working from a cardboard box in the office. We had a great office space, and I literally had nothing to put in it. Awesome. Um, and I had wires running down for the phone line. It's like, you know, 20-foot-long wires because there was only one jack, and I didn't know anything about this stuff. And he was my staff, and we figured he'll do this for a year. Um, and then he was going to go back to school. A year turned into uh, 12 years now, I guess. Yeah. We, <laughs> so was he working? A, was he working a day job and then also he doing... Was, right. He was going to school and working a day job. And okay. no, and then he just worked for me only. So when I so went out on my own... Great plan. We no, had... So no income. <laughs> no income. Tony, let's have a no income plan. <laughs> Uh, when Steph gets in, she like really gets in with something. Okay. <laughs> I, I jump in with both feet for sure. Yeah. And um, so he's still on. He's our staff. Yeah. He's the paralegal. We really are family. Mm-hmm. That's really family. Yeah. Uh, he's the paralegal office manager, runner. He takes out the trash. He's the only one that knows what we have on our calendars on any given day. 
Um, oh, we yeah. also should talk about Ryan too, because Ryan is. We do have Ryan. So yes. Ryan, he's not really. I don't. He's not staff. He's Ryan not is, staff. Is a um, of counsel attorney. Mm-hmm. He works um, like three days a week. Depends on. He's the, supposed to work three days a week. He really does work like five days. a yeah, week Yeah, most he of comes the time. in a lot. Um, it's, it's because he loves us so much. I think. But. <laughs> yeah, I met your husband and I met Ryan <laughs> yes, at yes. the uh, bar association yep. convention. Mm-hmm. I, I can mm-hmm. picture this now. Yep. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. And Ryan does mostly real estate. Um, okay. He is. A he kind of found real estate attorney. Is he found his niche with that? He started with me doing uh, matrimonial work and divorce work, and he just didn't really like it. Um, I, I don't think anybody. Re- I don't know. I actually do like it, but most people don't necessarily like doing family law. And he didn't really have the stomach for it all the time. Ryan is a very, I feel like, very literal person. So he much more enjoys sitting and reading a forty-two page contract than to have to right. deal with the gray of. An exchange on a Friday evening, does that mean 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock? Like, that's not his, his mm-hmm. thing. But he, I mean, I couldn't do what he does. We left today. He was he was earbuds in with a 42-page real estate contract. And I looked at it and I was like, there is no way I'd rather deal with custody of someone's <laughs> kids than have to look at that thing ever. So. And he was like, I'm learning so yeah, much. Like, this, this is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, no, you, you don't do family law if that's what you want to do. You, yeah, you no. have to be a bit of a people person. For most areas of practice where you're representing individuals like we do. So we've had Judge Millard, who has a daughter who's a lawyer. We've had Peter Hennis, who has two sons who are attorneys. You know uh, yeah, his son, with... uh, Mark. Right. Um, we have Stacy Kerr, whose daughter is aspiring to law school. So uh, I don't think you guys have any kids in the picture now. No kids. If no. any kids come along... Would you urge them or prohibit them prohibit. from pursuing a career in the law? Prohibit, yeah. I would go be a dentist. Yeah, Something. Yeah. Not, I, not. Why? Well, first of all, I oh, would... I'm a brilliant cross-examiner. Why? <laughs> I just Why? Um, first of all, I would never encourage anyone to take on the amount of debt that it takes to get here in terms of student loans or anything like that. Um, I think if I knew what, honestly, if I knew what that was going to be like, I may have thought twice. Um, I feel like when you're in your early 20s, it doesn't really phase you that like, oh, I'll just pay it off then. Um, Would I change anything? No, for myself. But um, it's not for everybody. I don't, and I also think there are way too many attorneys out there right now. I just think that we should, they should put a cap on it and there should be no more or they should, you should have to get retested or something so that we could talk to some of these people and kind of get them out of the mix a little bit maybe. Is that wrong? There's an expiration date. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. No one else said that on your podcast. We want honest It's true. I just, I don't think, I don't think it's for everybody. I think that there are so many cool things that people could do that this shouldn't be like your... You want to get in on this? I agree with her mostly. Um, This is a thankless job too, a lot of times. We sometimes get great (laughs) results and there's, you know... We're so excited. I just got a great (laughs) result for somebody on a motion for reconsideration, the one I just did. And amazing, everything got reversed. Like I I did a great job. It was 
it was an impossible case. And the fact that she sifted through all of this stuff, it was, I was in awe. Like I told her all the time. I'm like, I have no idea how you're even looking at this stuff. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy. 32 page brief, which I've never done before. Like on just like a motion for reconsideration. Different, courts, different states. You're not familiar with the and, term brief. <laughs> that's true. And it, it warranted every single page of it. Um, but then the client called and focused on the one or two points that it weren't slam dunks. Right. I'm like, I just saved you. So it's a thankless job sometimes. Um, and that's why. One more lawyer who I'll mention, Mike DeSico, great lawyer. His daughter is clerking and now has a job. He called this a majestic practice. So he really <laughs> comes from a different planet Ooh. from you guys. I believe he used the word majestic. And he loves it. No, I, I absolutely love it. I If I had to start all over right now and they say, oh, it's a million bucks to um, to do it, I would, I would absolutely do it. But I'm not going to encourage my kids or ban my kids. I'm just going to let them Oh, yeah. I, mean, well, yeah. I don't think I would prohibit, but mm-hmm. I don't you know? believe in because mom and dad are lawyers that you're supposed mm-hmm. to be a lawyer. Yeah, I don't, I don't no. think that's how. I. No one in my family is an attorney. I was never. Yeah. I was the first one in my family to go to college. Um, let alone law school. So yeah. nobody in my family is a lawyer, but um, I would do it all over again, Absolutely. including the loans. <laughs> yeah, I would. I but, would. Uh, I just don't think yeah, it's for everybody. My, my father gave me good advice when I was younger. He said, "Like you're really not good at anything, so <laughs> so go to law school. A lawyer is good." And, and you know, maybe I took that one way then, but he's exactly right. I mean, I don't do electricity plumbing. I don't like climbing ladders. I'm afraid of a lot of stuff (laughs) to hurt me now. And I'm glad that I don't have to do it. I watched the guy climb up a ladder with something huge in his hand, hop up on the roof across the street, and I was having a heart attack over here. And I'm inside my nice air-conditioned office building, and he's on top of a flat roof, you know. So my wife says, you're a little slow. You're a little thick to figure things out. I'm 51, but I'm really enjoying practice now way more than ever. Good. So it's like you finally, you know, like, Good. okay, well, if I live to like 130, then I'll have like two thirds of my life doing what I actually should do, right? That's so, great. so it's funny. That's so this, this dovetails, since we're sort of talking about your hypothetical non existing kids, advice to your younger self. Give me something that you really wish someone had given you and you could have accepted it when you were just getting going. Oh, Stephanie's making a face like uh, yeah, she has accept- an answer. Well, because the accepting part, I think, is the key. If That's my younger self thing. would accept it, because I was really freaking stubborn. Um, and I knew ev- <laughs> It's true. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> um, but my advice would be, Stop caring so much. Um, I spent a lot of my younger years being insecure, worrying about what people think, right. trying to make sure that everybody was happy, um, and letting myself down all the time because right. you, it, nothing is ever perfect. And once you accept that, I think everything else flows um, from everything. You know, me not caring that if a client doesn't want to hire me, worrying about why that is. I don't care. That client's not for me. There's somebody else coming along. Um, you know, in relationships, not worrying about what the other person, you know, is thinking and me projecting out what they're thinking, even though that was never relayed to me. Like it, so yeah. it works yeah. in everything. That projecting um, thing mm-hmm. will get you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I read a book and one of the lines was, uh, I can't remember the name, 
shooting all over yourself. I should have done this. Yes. I should have done that. Yes. And guess what? You drive yourself crazy yeah. doing it that way. I mean, way. everything that I've experienced has brought me to the place where I am today. And I'm very happy with where I am today. I don't work Mondays. I work Tuesday through Friday unless I have court. Um, you know, I'm happy. I have a great partner. Our business is thriving and doing really well. Um, and I am not thinking about what other people think about the business either. Right. Right, right. So someone say, oh, you should have 10 lawyers working for you. When I first started, I went out and I had to get like a really nice car because I'm going to show up to court. My clients have to see that I'm successful and I have a nice car. In reality, I have a huge car payment. Right. Um, And now I have like a modest car. I love it. It's easy. I don't care. It's, you know, and my, and I have money where I can go on vacation when I need to. Want to. (laughs) And I I have some nice cars to be, to be candid, but people say, what kind of car do you have? I say a paid off car. (laughs) That's my favorite kind of car. (laughs) My favorite model. (laughs) All right. You got a Um, warm up there. So I agree with you. I agree with you, Steph, entirely. Um, And I think, I don't know if that's more of like a woman focused thing than a, a male focused thing with the insecurity, like growing up, but I think that's a huge, a huge, huge issue, and I would have, I would have told my younger self not to care as much. But I also think it's important to be like, not everything is so serious. You know, when you're younger, everything is like the most important thing, and it's the end of the world, and this is going to define the rest of your life. And it doesn't. You can change anything you want to do anytime you want to change it. Yeah, that's really good. One of the things I'm going to talk to you guys and ask you guys about is mentors. And I just want to warm it up with your excellent points. When I had mentors, I sort of looked at a lawyer, let's say Frank Lewis, who was a top practitioner. And, you know, where I would try to mirror as many things as I could, but I could never be Frank Lewis. Right. Right. So you sort of, when you measure yourself by that example, you're never going to be there because you're too tall, you're too short, you're too slow, you're too Mm -hmm. fast, right? You're always going to come up short, like Stephanie's saying. But I, uh, I pick mentors or they pick me, and I, I've always, and, and still, you know, if I have a question, I'll call someone and run it by them. Have you guys had that experience where there's people out there in the world who would be a mentor or at least a resource for you as you go through this journey? I think so. I mean, I think I still, I, I like to think that I still learn something from everybody that I work with in every case that I have because they're all different. Um, I mean, I've learned in this last year so much from Stephanie. Um, I've learned one of my first, I have to say, when I first started practicing, Mariana Pontarero was one of the attorneys that went out of her way to make sure mm. that every time I was in court, if I had an oral argument and she was there that day, she would stay to make sure she listened so that she could tell me after you did good. Like it was right. okay. Like don't stress, like don't, don't make that face. Everything was fine. <laughs> um, she was, she was always very, very good, but I I think I take something away from every attorney that I've worked with in this practice, whether it's what not to do, whether it's how best to do something, how to talk to a client about a certain situation. So I like to still think that I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think when you stop, I think that's kind of when you should hang it up. I right. mean, quite honestly, I think when you're so regimented and so set on that, you know everything and no one can tell you different, this job is no longer for you. Right. People are always changing. Circumstances are changing. And when we run into those adversaries Mm -hmm. that are so headstrong that this is how we've always done it, I think it's time. Mm -hmm. This is way off script, but Mariana, who has suffered with a significant illness, but everyone pitched in, took cases, Mm -hmm. helped out, helped out her sister, who was also 
and in a grief uh, state. And uh, I thought, you know, although tragedies befell the family, two sisters that practiced together, excellent practitioners, a lot of people kind of changed their stripes and jumped in to help them and, and just keep, right. their, keep them afloat for a little while. Now they're doing back doing great. Yeah. I've seen Manoriana, and she looks like she's really made an amazing she's, recovery. She's well, the thing about our, the family law practice is that um, in these counties, like Monmouth Ocean Counties, um, we all know each other. Our bar is and, so tight. Right. We all know each other. We all can call on each other, I think. Um, we have like a group of people who we can reach out to if we ever need it. And I'd like to think that people will know that if they needed us, they could reach out to us and we would be there. And I think that's the case. Even though we're adversaries on cases, um, at the end of the day, we also have a lot of respect for right. each other. That's great. and I think it's so important. And if, you, if you're practicing and you don't feel that way, if you're wrong, right? You yeah, really you are. can reach out, mm-hmm. and uh, and you'll you'll get a you'll get a better um, a better sort of welcoming that you might. Yeah, think. I've never had anybody when I was starting my practice, or even now when I have questions, say no, I can't help you, or no. I, I've never ever experienced that. Neither. Exactly. <laughs> good knock. Good knock. All right, let's shift gears to the outside the law. Right, you're taking Monday off, and we know you go to the pool during the middle of the day. <laughs> but besides that, what do you do for fun? How do you keep your sanity? Um, I don't really have like any hobbies or anything. I'm trying so, to think of. I I will speak on Stephanie's behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie and her husband have probably one of the most unique but most amazing relationships that I've ever seen two people have. They are together twenty four seven. And I think they're kind of each other's hobbies. I know that that sounds like so cheesy to say, but I think that that's their downtime is they kind of, they shut themselves off and they do things together outside of the business, whether it's, I mean, you guys are seeing family all the time. Um, They have built a very big, in quotes, family in our town that we live in and we work in. And I, that's what I think is what you do. I mean, Thanks. I don't know if you can speak, but I'm blushing. I, yeah, their, <laughs> their, um, their relationship is absolutely amazing. And the fact that they are together all the time and that's what they want to do and where they want to be, I think is like the coolest thing. We were actually hanging out yesterday. Um, all of us were hanging yeah. out the firm. We had dinner together um, and drinks on the porch, actually, in front of our office. We do that a lot. Like mm-hmm. we, we leave work and we just go right out front and we have some drinks. We have dinner and we're all together. And Yeah, we were like, oh, we worked late and nobody wanted to cook, so we just went inside. Yeah. And it was nice. But we were joking. I mean, Rich is my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do do a lot for the community. So I guess we do like uh, some stuff with nonprofits. Yeah. Um, she's very humble. She's on boards for nonprofits. She does a lot right. of stuff. She doesn't like to list her resume, but it's pretty <laughs> substantial. All right. We're down to the last two. Okay. The one is the big ask. What question or, or what? I make you in charge of the world. Ask the lawyers, the judges, the court, the whole world, the clients. One big ask to make it better for us and for everyone that we touch. For uh, our practice? For your practice. For the court system, for the clients, I think it's make time. The world better. I think it's time. I, I think that there's such a dis, in my opinion, a disconnect between the bench and the court staff and the bar and our clients in how much time goes by in some of these matters where 
it's just a number on a judge's list, but they don't realize that we can't wait three months for this, or maybe we do need to wait three months for this. I think there's such a disconnect and respect for people's time. That is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. I really, I think, I, I agree with you, and I'm adding to that point. Um, just have a little more respect yeah. for the attorneys on the case and knowing that they actually have a handle on their client and whether or not they can push them. There's a reason why we're asking them. for the things that we're asking for and trust us that it's not just to screw with your numbers. It's because we know the circumstances. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's really a great, great, incisive point to contrast the court driven by case movement, numbers, backlog, and all that, and embarking at us when yeah. we're just trying to manage this case I can do fast, this one I don't have mm-hmm. the flexibility. Okay, last one. The Hunnell and Breitowicz commercial. Who wants to take it? You. The commercial? What do you do? <laughs> What's your address? Oh, oh What's your I can do this. Email, website, <laughs> phone number. How do people find you? Social media? Okay, so Stephanie and I are all over social media, both personally and through the firm with everything that we have going on in the community. Um, I don't know what our Facebook page is. Is it just Tunnel and Brightwich? It's Tunnel and Brightwich. (laughs) (laughs) See, we're so good at this. Um, So we are located in Asbury Park. Our office um, address is 408 7th Avenue in Asbury. We're behind Hotel Tides. Um, We do have a website, if you want to look at it. Monmouth-divorce.com. Yeah, we don't do we don't do much in terms of website stuff. We're more social media. We really need to work on our website. I guess that's a I'm not doing a great job. So what's the best place people? Wanna, I should have taken the commercial. People want to find you. Facebook. What's the best place to find out what's um, happening? Facebook. Facebook. I mean, you can really honestly just Google Stephanie Hunnell or Sylvia Breidewich, and our information pops up. Um, our phone number is 732-749-3500. They can call us anytime. Social media, too. You can find pretty much whatever our firm's doing at that that moment. I mean, you've seen us, I'm sure. And you said <laughs> mostly family law. Are you doing anything else besides family and divorce? Um, so I do some estate planning and probate work as well. Okay, great. And then we have Ryan who does um, – we have a pretty substantial real estate practice. So mm-hmm. anything in terms of deed preparation – Closings, real estate litigation, we have all that handled too. And Sylvia does DCPNP work as well. Yes. Okay. So that's which I won't touch. <laughs> child abuse and right. neglect cases. Okay. Well, listen, guys, this has been absolutely fantastic. Next time we will do it in a bar with drinks. <laughs> so it'll be even more fun. <laughs> um, this is uh, one of 650. Bold Sidebar podcasts that I'm promising to do. Wow. So wow. we may very well have to sign you guys up for round two. Of course, Thank I'd you love so to be here. This was a lot Thank of fun. You. Thanks for having us. It's Attorney Dan Straffy. Thanks for listening to the Bold Sidebar. Share the Bold Sidebar with your lawyer friends and professional colleagues. Please subscribe on iTunes and check out the show notes for the episode highlights and links to resources discussed on the show. Give us your feedback on social media at hornlawgroup.com, Divorce in a Minute, and of course, The Bold Sidebar. And tell us what you want to hear and who you want to hear it from. Hey everybody, it's Jeff again. Need to find us? Check us out on the web at hornlawgroup.net or give us a call at 732 736 9300. Thanks.